Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 56, I'm your host Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my vivacious, gregarious, and dazzlingly smart guest co-host Tierney Steele. Welcome Tierney. Ah, someone's broken out the thesaurus, thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome. Uh... I'm back. I'm here to embarrass myself trying to talk about vid- arcade games. Hey, all right. Excellent. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's see. What happens in this minute? All right, Flynn starts flying the recognizer around, but Ram has something important to say to Flynn, and Flynn stops the recognizer and goes over to listen to what Ram has to say. Uh, well, it starts that's all with, that happens we... in this minute. All right, bye, folks. We'll see you later. That's Just it. This is a short one. <laughs> The uh, Flynn finishes his line. This is just like the old arcade grips, which is what he was saying at the beginning, at the end of the last minute, mm-hmm. which uh, those are some pretty bonkers arcade grips. You know, that means there was a video game in the real world with this interface, which I, I can't imagine a video game <laughs> arcade cabinet having anything like this. I think at the time this film was being made, they were also hard at work on designing the Tron arcade game. So mm-hmm. I wonder if at the time the idea was to have the actual arcade interface in the movie somehow and this was their attempt before anything else was nailed down. Because in the real world, the Tron game just has a big glowing blue joystick with a trigger on it, like a flight stick on a flight simulator. Yeah. But this inter- this interface has slots for your feet, like DDR, and this wild lever-based free-floating <laughs> stick thing. I mean... Aside and from even its the un- beer tap, it doesn't look like yeah, a regular like, joystick. How you, what? How would this, you know, it's like a paddle. Like, I don't, I think it would also be kind of a lawsuit waiting to happen if you're spinning that thing around, you know, like it would probably catch mm-hmm. some kid in the eye or I wonder as, you know, if there's been, I wonder if there's been any Wii Fit or DDR lawsuits about people having heart attacks when there's doing their, all the energetic stuff they got to do. <laughs> I, I guess it's just disclaimers in the game introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh like the strobing strobing games or whatever. I don't know. Do you ever play uh, any DDR or Wii Fit or anything like that? Uh so yeah, here's where I admit my lack of gaming background knowledge. I uh All right. I have played on a Wii Fit cuz someone else owned it, you know. I I Yeah. My sister had a Wii, she had PlayStation. So hilariously when I went to my mom and said, hey, this Nintendo thing or the Sega thing is great. I want video games. She told me I couldn't have one because my cousins had them and all they did was fight over it. Just caused uh, nothing but problems. It's fair. It's and fair. yet it's my sister, point. my sister, my only sibling is seven <laughs> years younger than me. At the time she was two. Right. And when she was in middle school and then had an older sister in college, magically she was allowed to have PlayStation in her bedroom. Oh, jealous. I never developed video game skills, really. I had a friend with a Nintendo that I distinctly remember playing, like Mario Kart and Donkey Kong and all that stuff. And I had my best friend who lived next door had, was it Sega Genesis? Um, yeah. whichever one, the Lion King and Aladdin and years later, the Phantom Menace where you're pod racing and you mostly just run over Jawas the whole time. Like, <laughs> I played video games, but I am hilariously bad at them because my, 
like I just whatever circuits connect between your hands and your brain never connected in me because do I you never get, did it. Uh, do you get a little too excited? Do you get a little too like, ah, oh, what do I do? And then like start pressing a whole bunch of buttons or is I it just kind of like um, trouble if I get stuck against a wall? I have no concept sure. of how to unstick. And then I once played an entire game of the NHL game with my friend before realizing the blue circle meant something. Yeah, sure. Right. Played like, the oh. whole game. And she's like, wow, you are really bad. You never even switched. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there was, uh, like, I don't even have reminds... that base knowledge. <laughs> There's a, there was a YouTube video of a, a, a woman who was playing, um, uh, the, the latest Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. on the uh, on the Switch, and she finds this cave. Like she's halfway through the game, and she finds this cave, and she's like, "Oh, what is this cave?" And she's in there, and it's like a tutorial level cave that she somehow skipped <laughs> at the at the very beginning. And mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh, this will be hilarious! I'll do like the tutorial once." And like all of the tutorials are stuff that she doesn't know how to do. She's <gasps> like, "You you can side dodge." what like you can cycle through weapons with one button like and she it ends up crushing her she's like i've done half i've done half the game i've done half the game without knowing any of this like it's (laughs) she's just it just gets worse and worse she's like oh Oh, no no." there's another it's it's like yeah it's Um, it's user it's user interface like you should be able to get into a game and know how to know how to use it there was another guy who did a video of he let his girl his girlfriend is not a gamer but he's always gaming and she was like well i would like to i want to get into it because you're into it and she's like okay so he sort of filmed her playing games because Mm -hmm. she also because she hasn't grown up you know with a sega genesis and a n64 Mm -hmm. and a a whatever um she doesn't know the language of user interfaces and she doesn't Mm -hmm. know that like an apple will give you health or that you know this is your life bar or or stuff a mm-hmm. bunch of regular gamers take for granted so he was kind of an experiment of watching her go in and say okay so what do i do and he's like oh well i guess walk forward and she's like okay and he's like wow okay that's something that the game designers need to take into account like i <laughs> She fired up the game, and the first thing she did was say, "I don't know what to do." Right? That's yeah. that shouldn't happen, you know. So there's a lot of. I think it's hard. You can't see the forest for the trees when you're designing a game if that's your entire life. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to put yourself in the mindset of somebody who's never played a game before. So yeah, because you assume it's... even if this is new to them, they have some knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the one thing I got really good at was um, I had the computer pinball. And I got really good at that because I knew how to play pinball. So now it's just figuring out which, you know, key corresponds to what. Yeah. Like that I I was good at. Whereas I, um, I remember buying my first joystick and it was so I could play a Star Wars. It must've been Rebel Assault 2 or something like that. Um, but I was so bad at it because like none of it was intuitive at all, but it was so I didn't care and I loved it and played it anyway, but I was, I was so bad. And then I have to give a shout out to fun spot in Laconia, New Hampshire is an arcade hall and they have so many classic games and they are wonderful because you know what (laughs) doesn't take long to figure out space invaders, right? I played asteroids for like, 
half an hour where I was like, this yeah, is yeah. great. I understand exactly what I need to be doing at any given time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Those old ones, they really had a real drop you in. This is what you do. You know, no backstory or anything like that. It's weird because yeah. as the games have gotten more complex, I think there's a it's very easy to make them a lot harder to use. Mm. You know, the one like thing... if I get it. Oh, go ahead. If I get if if I'm playing a game that has too many sub menus, mm-hmm. like you op- you open in here to combine a couple ingredients, then open a different one to like make the spell, and then go into the game to cast the spell, or you go into this menu to buff your armor to mm-hmm. you know. Once I got to open up two or three of those, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's people that like this kind of game, but that, I'm not one of them. Yeah. I did like doing the um, Telltale games. It's something like that where you have to make decisions. It's basically a movie, but you're making decisions. Yeah, I think you got it right. Choose your own adventures of video games. It's the... I think it, yeah, it was Telltale. So-and-so will remember that once. And I I liked that. That was about my level of like go over, press A. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then even in the battle, it literally tells you like press X as fast as you can. I'm like, yes, yeah. I will do that. <laughs> I am on it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm on it. As long as I have clear directions. This situation that flooded Ram is, I would not be of any use whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, we don't know too. what this does, and I'd just be like pinball shows up come get me i don't know what yeah. to tell you I'll, I'll be over here yeah yeah, and yeah so flynn just like starts and go and that's um one weird thing i don't know what early computer game it is that this hallway reminds me of probably all of them but yeah. man when he when they show his like pov flying through the hallway doesn't that just transport you back to like 1993 immediately (laughs) yeah it's pretty what's interesting about that shot is that that's one of the uh one of the many hand animated shots in the film that's not a that's not a cg shot that's some animators they did that curved hallway and you can kind of tell it kind of changes shape a little bit on the walls as it goes around it's not as rigid as a as a cg shot but it does take me back those vectographic i guess you could call it lines well they're shaded in and they're polygons here but yeah it does take you back those those primitive everything was a maze just one room to the next (laughs) yeah yeah, just another maze here we go (laughs) but yeah like you said flynn says all right let's get this show on the road and uh reaches up with that beer tap paddle thing and pushes it forward. He pushes it forward pretty suddenly. It's not a tentative thing. He just cranks it forward. And we get that those great sound effects of the joystick itself, kind of like uh, you know, like a, the rim of a wet glass being rubbed or something, that kind of tinny, resonating kind of thing. And uh, Ram is still freaking out. I kind of wish, I don't know. It's like we were talking before. I wish they made it clearer that what Flynn is doing is off the scale godlike and strange you know like as it is it feels like he's doing something that's somewhat weird and that ram might be overreacting you know <laughs> i don't know what's what's your what's your read on that on the scene what do you think i of that? i have no good reading on ram because very soon flynn is gonna turn and be like hey you don't look so good and my note is yeah. he looks exactly the same as he always has <laughs> yeah, he looks fine 
He looks fine. He looks absolutely fine. No changes happened whatsoever. Yeah. You're you're absolutely right. You were talking in the last minute. There needs to be some way of showing when a program is not yet destroyed but is not doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Because him looking slightly tired does not do anything for me. Yeah. Yeah, you look sleepy. Are you going to die soon? No, I'm not. It's I'm just sleepy. I'm okay. <laughs> like, like, there's no... And especially, like, they do, like, the dramatic cut to Ram when he says that. It's just like, he looks the same. Yeah, it's a little dissonant, right? Because you're like, wait, I don't... What? I don't... He looks fine. Are we looking know? at the same thing? But then I got Are really we... excited because Flynn becomes so concerned that he stops and goes over to him. And then, I'm sorry... Is this not the most Empire Strikes Back moment in the whole movie of Tron? Yeah. Well, like, which what, early days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like how? Which? Uh, like how do you mean? He the score swells oh, as he yeah. bends over him, and they lock eyes. And if one of them said "I love you" and the other one said "I know," it would fit perfectly. <laughs> this is. Like, this is something that the director talks about. Well, yeah, we could... Yeah, okay, we'll go there. We'll go there now. That's kind of more around to the end. But Steven Lisberger did say that in the in the making of Tron Book, he said, unfortunately, mm-hmm. this scene, because of that, it did make a lot of people laugh when they were watching it in the theaters because you're 100% right. It totally reads like a romantic shot. Mm-hmm. Like Flynn is a hundred percent gonna make out with Ram here, and it looks like it's headed that way. Like all of the cinematic visual cues are there for a sweeping, you know, confession of love kind of kind of scene, and it Which uh, it's could have worked, but not what Lisberger was going for. It sounds not like. <laughs> what he was going for. He's supposed to feel concerned for Ram, but the way but the way it's filmed is very much like I've. I have to tell you, <laughs> you yeah. I've always, I've always loved you or something <laughs> like that. You know, I would but have, to honestly, that... not to spoil the rest of your movie. If Flynn had come here and fallen out with Ram and we don't have to do that weird love triangle, but with computer programming uh, later in the movie, I would have been right? 100% on board for that. Flynn and Ram start working fine. on the celebrity name. <laughs> Let's do that instead. <laughs> yeah. What would that be? Be Rin or Flam? I don't know. <laughs> Flam. Uh, All right, I ship Flam. I love it. I ship I Flam. It's I stand so Flam. Stand- <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah, I just and what's frustrating is it's really well done. <laughs> like it's Flam really well done because you know they're not going for that but if only they were it'd be amazing yeah yeah it's uh it's a shame that it's unintentional because they nail it (laughs) right (laughs) it's kind of it's strange that you can make a scene like this like i've i've had you know like i've i've written poems and i've i've created things where somebody else looks at it and goes oh that's a really good representation of that and i'm like what are you talking about? And then I look at it with like through their eyes and I'm like, ah, geez. Yeah. You're bang on. That is exactly what it is. Isn't it? (laughs) And uh, it's, it's like that in this scene. Like, I don't think they realized until it actually was in the theaters 
that uh, an audience would take this as a romantic scene. And it's, it's a, the music. I got really excited because I had no idea the score for this movie was composed by a woman. And then yeah. I started looking at what else Wendy Carlos has done. And it was like, why don't I know this part? Like, why is her name not in my brain at all times? Right? And like, it is now. Because when you do some research, you're like, holy moly. Yeah. What? And then I was, like I said, I was reading the trivia about Tron and the co-writer who's a woman and the relationship with real life Al. And I was just like, it, it got me so mad. Because like, I just want to grab Hollywood and be like, why don't we talk about the women? <laughs> They're yeah. there. And apparently yeah. they've been there. This movie was came out in 82. It's not like this is some recent development backlash against male Hollywood. Like That's right. No. Yeah, Wendy Carlos, this... she did The Shining, for God's sake. She did The Shining, uh, that little indie hit Clockwork Orange. You know, like she's, <laughs> you know. I don't she, like, understand. Pa- paved the way with synthesizer music. She won Grammys for her Switched On Bach, I think it was called. Oh uh, like God. it's just incredible, incredible what she what she managed to accomplish. Oh. She's still around. She's got a she's got a blog out there. She's still around. She doesn't yeah. really do a whole lot of public appearances, but and it's really know. beautiful because I didn't realize in my mind the triumphant recognizer coming together music and this music were a different piece, and then I realized yeah. like oh no, it's just you know it's all of a scene the music yeah yeah it's all of a scene yeah yeah there's a couple of pieces of music in this movie that are like uh like romance slash uprising slash theme you know like or something like (laughs) that where they just they go okay well they use a third of the song for three different scenes kind of Mm -hmm. thing but then they can blend them together and this is one of those one of those big scenes but this is one of those hero hero moments of when yeah. the when the when it takes off i like that when the recognizer takes off they've done a good job of animating it like it is uh busted yeah. you know like it's its speed is variable it's listing to one it's side slightly unbalanced cuz that fuck yeah <laughs> one side is like yeah dipping and a little forward yeah. and it's I think that because back then with this kind of animation, they didn't have any animation programs. They were just literally, you know, they had a piece of graph paper and they were tapping in the vertices for each frame and then they would render it out. And they didn't have enough memory to store it inside the computer. So it'd have to render out each frame and take a picture of it, erase it, render the next frame take a picture of it, erase that. So the only memory of it was the pictures that you took. It wouldn't be stored on the computer at all. And then uh, you'd take a look at the film and say, oh, okay, looks like we got it, right? Which is a really labor-intensive process to go through it. So you kind of have to get it right on the first try. There's like these days with computer animation, you can just, oh, that didn't look great, render it out again. Oh, that didn't look great, render it out again. Which, But back then it was... You really had to, to, to get it right the first time. So I like that when you're trying to draw something or trying to animate something just going in a straight line, not a problem, like the light cycles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when you've got something like this that's broken and it's kind of limping in the air, they uh, they did a really good job of animating this. And it's, a, it's, it's cool to see because you get it. The visual language, you're like, oh, this ship is not in good shape. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's it could, going. It, it could have just. Chugging lo- along. It's, it's going. It's doing its best. Right. Yeah. 
That reminds, I was reading about the computers that they were using for this, and it was just bonkers how little like memory yeah. was on them and everything. And it reminded me yeah. of one of my favorite moments was, like I said, my sister is a bit younger. She feels like she's of another generation, but technically she's not. And she yeah. was sitting in a chair. She was sitting on the sofa one day, texted her friend. You know, the thumbs are blurring practically. My dad looks yeah. over and he's like, what did you just say to April? And she's like, oh, I told her I'd be there in five minutes. He goes, my generation sent a man to the moon and we pressed less buttons than that. <laughs> like, yeah. The idea. Yeah. And, and that's why I love when you look at like the computer stuff from, you know, NASA and the Apollo missions. And it's just like, oh, look at that. You guys are trying so hard. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you, literal you buttons with things. lights in them, and like there's like smoke coming out of these metal boxes. It's like you almost <laughs> expect there to be like a rope start on some of the computers or something like that. It's so analog, so analog. It's, I love it, but I mean that's my own personal bias. But yeah, that's I I do really like that they a bothered to do that because I do, well actually not even to say it, I love that they bothered to do that because you're right the contrast between. This recognizer and the other recognizers that are smooth and swoopy and the light cycles, like it's, it's, it really does, even if it weren't blue, you would instantly know like that one's Flynn's. Yeah, this is Flynn's. This is Flynn's over here. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) The one banging into walls. That's Flynn. (laughs) Yeah, that one stuck in, that one stuck in the corner. That one stuck in the wall there, (laughs) you know. That hasn't figured out how to turn around yet. But yeah. I I did want to say you had mentioned like oh this is a real hero moment. Is this Flynn's hero moment or Ram's hero moment? Do you think? I meant I meant more like uh, it's the recognizer's hero moment. Ah, like the recognizer coming together is just gotcha. uh, a real. Like when they're making a prop for a movie, they've got like mm-hmm. the hero prop for the close-ups, and then they've got the the other props for the stunts kind of whatever but okay. uh, that's that's what i meant for Cause, that because like, i was not... then getting into it like well flynn is the hero but is ram the hero of this moment because flynn wouldn't realize he's a hero and, and then i i maybe went a little bit far down my english paper oh, okay <laughs> no it makes that makes total sense yeah i think i was i was probably using it incorrectly um one well, thing no, that... i just i go go ahead go well when Flynn says, uh, you don't look so good, we'll get you fixed up, hang on. Uh, I get kind of stuck on that line, too, when he looks back and says that. Cause I'm What's like, his well, plan here? What do, you, what do you mean? You're going you're gonna to take him to the grid hospital? Or how are you going to fix him up? You don't even know what's going on. Like, he just started the ship two seconds ago, and he's like, okay, I'll take care of it. We'll, get, we'll take you somewhere. I'm like, where? Where are you going to take them? You know, I don't know. Do you even know where you are going, sir? (laughs) Well, that's maybe that's just Flynn for you, though. Maybe he's just Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to go that way and we're going to get you help. (laughs) Like, okay, you know, even though and even though Ram doesn't have any damage on him. Dan Shore is doing a really good job here of looking uh, in a bad way. You know, I think he's really like these close-ups. It's a lot easier than like the the shots with both of them. You're just like he looks fine. What is everyone talking about at the end of the minute when he starts to have dialogue and he's able to sell it a little bit more? That helps a lot. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. 
Although um, I, I did start laughing at that part. I'm sorry. <laughs> that sorry, Lisberger and Shore. Uh, I know right, like you the... were going for a moment, but he's like, oh, my user. And all I could think of was uh, in a full house, DJ used to say, oh, my Lanta. And I was just like, oh, don't, yeah. don't. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like Flynn leans closer to Ram. Ram closes his eyes. It's just it ruins the moment. <laughs> it ruins the moment. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, what was it? Oh, one thing that was. Uh, oh yeah. The users, the users, the users. Oh my user. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's really, but he really does a good job of selling that he yeah. now gets that he's in the presence of a god. That he is like, wow, Flynn, you're you're it. He's he is in the presence of a god, and now that he has something to sell, he can sell like, I am hurt, I am injured, things are going yeah. badly over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he's a good actor, and I think that uh, I think the close-ups really really show that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's good. One thing that the Lisberger says that was interesting is that in this is the the theory behind this movie was to make the actors in the sets look like the computer world created by CG rather than making the CG look realistic. You know, like okay. it's a, it's a, it's a small comment, but it's a, it's a huge viewpoint change. This, this, this sort of theme that they went with because most CG these days, even the stuff in legacy tried to look as real as possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas here they were trying to make the real world look as CG as possible, which is a, a different viewpoint for them to come through. So, but they, they still add their own, their own thing on it. Like the, the recognizer when it's running around it's it's or when it's flying around it's got that sort of deep throbby helicopter sound effect that they've mm-hmm. pitched down and put through the synthesizer when i think at the time it would have been uh an understandable temptation to make it have like a jetsons car sound effect you know something high pitched you know that that mm. sort of everything that came out of a computer up till that point was like beep doop you know had like a really high pitched yeah wine to huh. it you didn't hear it. low basses was all that was all like machines but like high high pitch squeaks were uh were all that was computer sounds so when you have a vehicle in there it was uh i thought a really cool call to have it have a low threatening throb to it because i think that was a bit of a, a bit of a higher brain kind of choice you know and it also kind of really rooted it in something reality you're like oh this is a giant vehicle flying around you know yeah well and it it makes it threatening it's hard to be it's easy to be afraid of that going yeah we do it's like up till this point all the recognizers that we've seen have kind of failed in their mission to take somebody out like they they fail to stop them escaping the 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 light cycle grid Mm-hmm. Uh, they fail in their chase for that. We see them at the very at the very beginning. One of them steps on Clue, but it's from Clue's POV. And then we see Clue in a prison somewhere else. So it's like he's been captured, not really killed. So we don't. They're really set up. They are effectively drawn and animated and uh, given sounds to be threatening. But you never really. I w- I really wished we could have seen one of them just completely take out a light cycle or completely take out a tank or something to really to show that they're uh that they're more they, threatening than they really do make it the actor's job to make you afraid of the recognizers then yeah yeah really like do. it really, really is the how scared everyone is of them that makes yeah. them scary 
Yeah, for sure. I never yeah, thought of that before. Yeah, they have to sell it because it's not. It's not. Yeah. But that's what they got to do for this entire movie. Yeah. A, no, it's crazy. Experience. Like they never actually do anything scary, but everyone's afraid of them. It's just like, yeah. well, yeah, everyone knows they're scary. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Let's see here. Oh, that's so, cool. in the um, the little differences that brings us close to the end of the minute here, and then in, mm-hmm. in the differences between the novel and the screenplay, the novel's pretty much the same. The novel doesn't play out that much differently. But in the screenplay, it's a different um, beat. Flynn is still trying to get the recognizer to move. He sees that Ram is in a bad way, so he's frantically trying to get the recognizer to move so that he can maybe take Ram somewhere for repair or safety, but it's not working. Okay. And uh, then he says, he says, damn, never fails. The minute the warranty runs out before ram says come here which you know i'm glad they cut that i like a quippy flynn but i'm glad they cut that Mm. but at this point the uh the recognizer is still not going anywhere so that's an interesting change because here he like gets it flying and then stops so it's kind of hovering but it's yeah because we get the hero moment of it coming together which you said it just kind of went up and then it didn't move and so yeah so basically, they inserted some triumphant, we're doing it hero time. And then we go back to yeah. Flynn having a deeply religious experience. Yeah, it just pauses. Or, or Ram, rather. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. And then we it, go back it's, to Ram. It's, it's kind of a little back and forth, which I wonder if it's be, I wonder if it would have been too much to, to not have. Like you said, I mean, we got a pure comedic moment out of this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if that was it. I wonder if once they decided to assemble the recognizer. I'm so sorry to your listeners. I know I keep going back and forth between replicator and recognizer. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know every time I say it in my mind, I'm like, I think I just said the wrong one. Um, But I wonder if once they decided that they were going to do that triumphant assembling and then comedic footfalling. You have to show him flying for a little while. You can't cut straight to, hey, you don't look so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to come hold your hand for a sec, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I think it would there must have been some back and forth there to figure out yeah. how the scene was going to go down because it is it it seems it kind of it mostly fits together, but it is it is three or four things happening in rapid succession that kind yeah. of don't quite go together, but And him flying is pretty quick. I mean, he only yeah. just walked up to those controls at the end, at the beginning of this minute, and it's like less than twenty seconds. Yeah, so it's like vroom, urch. Like yeah, this. it's it's That's just it. enough to put some distance between. Haha, its foot fell off, and oh, he's gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that takes us to the end of this minute, I guess. Oh Do boy, it to, does. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell? You want to tell? Uh... Do you want to go through where people can find you if they want to hear more? Uh, sure. If you want to hear more, you can check out Joe versus the Minute. It's a Movies by Minute podcast talking about Joe versus the Volcano, the first Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan movie. Yay. And in my opinion, one of the best ones. It's very quirky and weird, but fun. And I am doing that with Jarf Harden from the Cosmic Geppetto podcast. So we're just having a ball. Going Excellent. Thanks. 
So, yeah. I'm a big fan of that movie. Oh. It's, got, it's got one of my favorite scenes that's ever been in a movie ever. And it's when he's going to work in the beginning and the <laughs> fluorescent light doesn't quite work. And mm-hmm. the, the coffee creamer isn't doing anything to the coffee. And Dan Hedaya in the background is just going, I know he can do the job. I know he can do the job, but can he? No, I know he can get the job, but the can job. he do the job? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not arguing that with you. He just says this one, these like three lines over and over and oh. over again, and it just the, like, oh, that is a soul crushing experience. They really nailed that. The fact that Dan Hedaya did not get any acting awards for that role, <laughs> supporting role is a crime because. He is so good. He has, like you said, the first like three times we see him, he's only saying one of two or three different things and yet completely selling it. And then his interactions with Joe are like absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's just stellar. It's amazing. I think, I think he might be like my discovery of 2019. Like, wow, that person's really underrated. (laughs) Like, I've yeah, never been right? like, oh, you're going to go see the new Dan Hedaya movie? But he's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> he really is. He really is. So, All right. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I could do a whole, I think I could easily do a podcast about Dan Hedaya. He's been in so many <laughs> great things. Another half hour will be here, folks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, we're on Growler Media. But if you go to moviesbyminutes.com, we're on there. And so are the other podcasts I've done. Excellent. And if you want to get in touch with us, go over to TronologicallySpeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at TronologicallySpeaking. Go over to the Movies by Minutes page. We're there, too. Send us an email on TronologicallySpeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute listeners page. Shout out to Pond5 for the music. And, uh, again, MoviesByMinutes.com. Special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. And go on over there and see if... Your favorite movie is one of the 150 and counting podcasts that are there right now. And if you don't find the movie that you thought was going to be there, consider doing it yourself because it's a very it's a very fun and uh, effort intensive, but a very fun thing to do. <laughs> uh, do you want to do a little end of line on three? Sure. All right. One, two, three. End, end of, of line. line.